Six years ago, Ellis Hammond's entire mission changed. He was a full-time college pastor with vision and passion, but broke. Now a full-time real estate entrepreneur, Ellis is the founder of Kingdom Real Estate Investors, the number one community for faith-driven leaders impacting the world through real estate investing. If you're a kingdom-minded real estate investor or entrepreneur seeking to advance God's kingdom outside the church walls, welcome to the Kingdom REI podcast, where Ellis interviews Christian entrepreneurs and investors focused on advancing God's kingdom through real estate investing. Enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the Kingdom Real Estate Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, with my man, Cameron, co-host. What's up, Cameron? What is up, my bro? How are you? Good, man. Really, really pumped about today. Guys, there's a there's a, there's a a few people on the internet where I tell my team, hey, do whatever it takes to, uh, you know, if you got to sell part of your soul, don't sell all of it, but if, it, you know, peace would be okay, uh, do it. <laughs> um and so I'm really, really excited to have uh, Daniel Kwok on the uh, on the show today. If you if you don't know who him and his brother are, they have over 275,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, insane! And not only that though, but they're 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 Christian they're Christian men, um, really unashamed about their faith. I think really uh, have a huge influence, and and I love that Cameron. Right? I mean. Said my wife last night, and I was telling her about, you know, yeah, she, she's really scared about me getting famous, right? Like on the internet. She's like, I, I don't want that influence. I'm like, but listen, we know how to do it. We're good people. We're about God's kingdom. Like, shouldn't, sh- like we, shouldn't we be compelled to do it? And that's why I'm so grateful, man, to have Daniel on because I feel like he shares that vision. Yeah, you can tell her that she should be thankful you're famous because we wouldn't have met had you not been famous, Ellis. Yeah, I'm not famous, by the I way. I know, but I'm my a point huge is like, value in your life. So, uh, Daniel, pumped to have you here, man. Welcome to the show, dude. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. That's incredible. Let's let's start thirty thousand foot. You know, like back us up from you know who you are, who you guys serve. Let's kind of start there, and then we'll go back a little bit. Great question. Who who do you serve? Right. I mean, that's that's an incredible question, and I think there's a reason why, you know, money was the second most talked about topic, right? When it comes to Jesus's ministry, because, you know, there's a lot of people who serve money. Um, and I think us, the three of us being in a business where, you know, it's in, been around for a very long time, the idea of real estate and, you know, um, business in general, right? The business industry period, right? I mean, there's so many temptations that could be, you know, had and seen in this world. But um, at the end of the day, um, I try, right? I try to serve uh, Christ, right? And, and, and him only. There's a lot of different stories where I could share that, you know, that's been tested. And in some cases I failed, in some cases I succeeded. But of course, our faith and our journey is never about how we perform, but more so how good are we at seeing how God sees us in many a time. So that's at the end of the day, who I serve. And, you know, there's a couple of things, obviously, that Jesus talks about in his ministry, right? Love God and love others as yourself. Um, all, all the laws can be summed up into those two things. And so my life is constantly learning, uh, what does it mean for me, uh, to be more aware of how much God loves me than I was yesterday? Cause I find that the more I'm aware and the better I can be at learning how to receive God's love, the more I can give it away. And oftentimes I love people in many different ways, whether it's coming here on this podcast, uh, sharing what God has shared with me, whether it's 
learning you know, or teaching what I've learned about real estate investing and some of the hacks and techniques that I've picked up over the years of buying apartments and rental properties. Or it could be as simple as, you know, volunteering to do the dishes for my wife and just allowing her to have a night off and, and rest. So uh, great question. I don't know if that answers it to the yeah, best that's degree. Really helpful. But from a business standpoint, what are your main like from and, and maybe go from highest revenue to lowest revenue business like what what are your businesses today yeah yeah so uh my, my brother and i have a company that helps families pay off their mortgage faster so uh we utilize what's called a home equity line of credit which is a simple interest uh line of credit product that many banks offer and uh, you can leverage it and use it to pay off your mortgage uh, at a much much faster rate so we have clients who are saving you know, 50, 60, sometimes over $100,000 worth of interest that they would have paid and they're doing it in a third of the time, right? As, as you know, as if it was, you know, just regular paying your mortgage. So that, that company is probably the biggest revenue generator. And then, you know, we have a real estate investing coaching business. Uh, obviously we own our own real estate. That's a big revenue bringer as well. And then, um, you know, my brother and I have been very fortunate to have opportunities come across our desk over the years where, you know, we're able to kind of just put our own money in, you know, as LPs, and then also kind of just give guidance uh, for businesses to grow, right? So investing in businesses and investing in people. So uh, I'd say, you know, uh, we've, we've gotten the rhythm of buying businesses and also buying pieces of real estate over in our career, and then just scaling the ones that we create for ourselves. So yeah, um, I don't know if there's a particular order, there's months where one will do better than the other. But yeah, I've been, we've been fortunate. That's cool. There's so much I want to get into today, man. I'm so pumped to have you guys on. So let me just pray for us. Uh, start this show with prayer, man, and we'll we'll get into all that. Father in heaven, we we're so grateful um, for this time together. Uh, thank you that uh, we have Daniel here. It's great. I'm great to be. I'm grateful to be able to share uh, this platform, this stage, so that he and his influence can grow. God, that more importantly, your kingdom can grow. I know he's a man who who loves you and wants to put you at the center. And so, Lord, I pray for just this episode to be a blessing for those who are listening truly, that it would set people free uh, mentally, financially, uh, Lord, to better be stewards of their finances and, and to be unleashed for greatness uh, to serve you. And so I lift that up in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's just start with the most obvious thing, man, because I I want to get this out of the way. 275,000 followers on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, when did you guys make a decision, like, to just say, hey, let's get real serious about growing our influence online? And why was that important? My brother initially had started the channel in 2015. And my, my brother is a significantly much better marketer than I am, right? So like even with all the companies we own in our organization, you know, he kind of plays, you know, wears the hat of, of chief marketing officer, you know, for, for a lot of different uh, opportunities that we're involved in. So um, I initially hated being on YouTube. Like I did not want people to know who I was. Like my brother is the type of guy where, you know, he'll, he'll put out so much content, you know, uh, I'm the type of guy where it's just, you know, I just want to be in my corner and just build, um, a big business, right? Now, the competitive side of, side of me says, I want to just secretly beat everyone silently. Um, that's, that's who <laughs> I am, right? And, and I was afraid of kind of being the, the influencer guy, right? I mean, we, we see it all the time in, you know, Christian circles and, and, and spiritual and religious circles where, you know, people use the name of Jesus to get, you know, what my generation calls clout, you know? 
um, they, they kind of, you know, they kind of use the name of Christ and, you know, the, the, the seed of Christ to kind of go, oh, well, hey, you know, this, we're going to generate this following. And, you know, absolutely, you know, I think that's phenomenal, right? Um, I believe all truth is God's truth and we need people to hear it in some way, shape or form. And, and no matter what way they find Jesus, I think, you know, uh, I'm just glad that they found them. But um, I, I was afraid of mainly being inauthentic. You know, uh, I saw a lot of individuals, friends of mine who had big followings, who would sacrifice who they were, uh, would sacrifice who they, you know, their identity and, and many other things because they were on in front of a camera and they felt this need to perform. And I knew myself enough to kind of go, well, like, I, I know that the minute there's a camera in my face or if I'm in front of a stage, there, there's going to be this pull for me to make myself more than what I really am, you know? And so in, you know, I wrestled with that, honestly, for four years. And, you know, during that time, I, I did some cool things, right? I, I got a pretty decent size, you know, apartment portfolio. Uh, we scaled a couple businesses, but it was not until 2019 when my brother and I decided to take the channel seriously, right? So we hired somebody, we had about, you know, maybe 30,000 subscribers at the time, right? And kind of, you know, January 1 of, of 2019. Um, and the reason why I started doing it is because it was a great way for me, number one, to do something with Sam, right? Because Sam was always kind of, you know, over here and I was over here doing the deals and, you know, we, we each had our lanes, but there's, there's really not a whole lot that we did together, right? In terms of a venture. So number one, it was a great way to actually, you know, work with Sam. Uh, and not only that, but, you know, I, I saw it as number one, a great way, you know, uh, to bring more traffic into our companies. And not only that, but I also noticed more importantly, there are some things that I had learned in my real estate journey that could save people tens of thousands of dollars in their real estate deal that could cut years and years worth of headache, stress and, and, and things. And, you know, uh, I was convicted. I was well, if I don't share this, then, you know, what's the point, right? Why just keep it to myself, you know? So that's when we started posting things. And then uh, we had 100K, I think, later in 2019. And then last year we hit 200. And then this year, we're, we're probably going to hit 300 before the end of the year. So it's been fun. It's been a great platform for me to just, you know, for my brother and I both to post things about things that we just are very interested in and we find fascinating. So let me, two questions on that. How much revenue do you think YouTube generates for your businesses? Depending on the month, you know, our highest month, it's brought, we, it's brought in maybe around 14. Um, and our lowest month will bring in around like five. You know, but, but not, obviously not, we make not like AdSense revenue, just like total business wise. Is it? Oh, sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. About? I mean, yeah, I'd say hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, uh, from, from leads and traffic that we get from YouTube. Right. I mean, you got, you, you probably never talk to a stranger anymore, right. On a sales call. I'm yeah, looking pretty I, much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is what is your strategy on YouTube though, man? Cause like I look at it and like very few of these are about real estate. Mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's a lot of controversial kind of government talk on your channel. Like what, yeah. what is your, what, what is your, like, who are you trying to reach there? Like, what is your strategy from someone who's like, Hey, cool, yeah. wow, I got to grow on YouTube. What has helped you catapult that? And maybe talk a little bit about kind of the niche you're trying to serve there. Yeah, no, I, I love it. It's a great question. So uh, we were posting about real estate and then one day, uh, Nick, who's our YouTube producer came to me and says, Hey man, there's this thing called uh, the Great Reset, right? It's it's like this big initiative and this big agenda by the World Economic Forum, and you know what it is is they're they're really trying to centralize a lot of the resources and power 
um, up, up in, the, in the government. And it's, it's pretty much an event uh, and it's a phase where, you know, the, the tagline is you will own nothing and you will be happy. And, you know, and so um, I started doing some research on it and I started learning about it. And, you know, I, I it was kind of like this, you know, uh, what do you call it? The rabbit hole, right? You go down the rabbit hole. Right. Um, I was like, this is fascinating stuff. Like this is biblical, you know, like when I'm, when I'm reading about what they're trying to do. Uh, and so, you know, we did one video on it and it was pretty successful. And then I did another video on it and another video. And then I think my third or fourth video, uh, it got like over a million views, you know? Wow. And so I'm like, wow, people, people really want to talk about this stuff. Like people really want to learn uh, about this stuff. And, and it's something that I also found, found it very fascinating. So uh, it took a while for me to kind of just, you know, go from wanting to post about real estate stuff to, you know, posting about, about this. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, a lot of people were really interested in this topic. Uh, we wanted to be part of that conversation because it had so much to do with not just real estate. It had so much to do with just finance in general. It had so much to do with our, with our faith, uh, with our families, with freedoms that I believe that, you know, this, this country that we love so much get, gives us, you know? So we, we started talking about that. People started resonating with it. And, you know, here we are. Amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say let's you got a lot of catching up to do um on the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, even have thousand in front of mine yet, man. So that's what I say. <laughs> I, I have a question about um kind of what you were speaking to earlier. And I'm always interested in how people got to where they are currently, especially if they're in real estate. I'm in real estate and you know, I once thought I was gonna be doing exclusively apartment complexes. Now I'm pretty much hundred percent invested in built to rent product in the Sunbelt States. So I'm just curious, like what was happening in your life, your brother's lives for you guys to just go, you know what, we need to create a HELOC product and, and just go in there. Like, was that through some heartburn or some pain that you guys experienced? Um, do you guys have to get foreclosed on and then learn about it at the back end? It could have saved your tails. I mean, how did you get there? Cause you spoke about it pretty highly as if it may be your most prized venture right now yeah um so twofold um so we had learned about this strategy uh through another organization that we used to be part of so it was an organization where uh, i actually used to, to teach um and and be an instructor for and um one of the things i realized that they they weren't doing is they were they were teaching the strategy which was awesome but uh a lot of times people especially when they don't have a lot of financial literacy right like the three of us might have uh, people tend to get very intimidated by a strategy that they don't know about or something that is not familiar to them or something that the average American will do, right? Which a lot of times the the best wealth creation strategies or the best financial strategies typically tend to fit in that category, right? The category of not a lot of people know about it and really only the top 1% really execute it. So uh, we decided to create a product and and really a company and a business that not only teaches the strategy, but helps people implement it. So, you know, we built a software calculator. We, you know, got a support a support team to walk people through how to use the product. Uh, we created a database of the best banks that have the best product that could, you know, they could use to, to utilize the strategy. And so that was one, right? The create, create the actual, edu, you know, execution support. But number two is my brother and I found it a great tool for individuals to get introduced the world of financial literacy, you know, uh, because of course, like when you learn one strategy that helps you get out of debt, well, now you're really interested in creating wealth, 
you know, and that's one of the things that we teach and the philosophies that we really push is, you know, hey, like, congratulations, like you, you got out of debt, you used our strategy, you paid off your mortgage in four years and five years, you know, when you had 22 years left on your on your, uh, your note, you know, congrats. Well, you know, now we got to take it a step further, right? We, we play defense, right? We got you out of debt. Now we got to play offense and really help you build a portfolio that you could pass down to your kids uh, and really build that generational wealth that, you know, even scripture talks about. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of times you know, once they graduate, right, from our uh, accelerated banking product, half of them, at least half, are super interested in our real estate investing coaching product. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, like you guys just helped me save $75,000 in interest that I would have paid over the course of the next 20 years. I'm now debt-free. I've got, you know, an extra 1500 bucks a month now. Um, I want to put that towards real estate. You know, I want to learn how to raise capital and, you know, buy uh, multifamily buildings, buy a four unit that's going to cash flow me 800 bucks a month uh, and continue to increase my cash flow, you know? So uh, we saw it as a great gateway for people to learn how to create generational wealth. And, you know, of course, as God reminds me many, many times, um, what he asks us to do even if we have no idea what that's going to look like in three, five years, uh, it's a ripple effect. Like you guys ever noticed, and, and both of you guys, I'm assuming, have read the Bible many times throughout your lives. Yes? Yes. <laughs> okay. So do you guys ever notice that the things that the, the people that were closest to God oftentimes, like I'm talking about the Moseses, the Joshuas, the Davids, right? And even the apostles, they don't really see the full fruition of their obedience to God like during their lifetime, it's usually long after they're gone and they're dead that the full fruition of what their obedience has led to is shown, right? Like you look at someone like a Moses, like Moses never saw the people of Israel, like the Israelites go into the promised land, right? Like Joshua did that. But, you know, a lot of people can say and will argue that, well, like that happened initially because of Moses's obedience to the Lord. And same thing with David, same thing with you know, a lot of different figures throughout scripture, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, uh, we don't typically see that. So, you know, at the time, right, like in 2019, when, you know, um, God told us to make a very major business decision and eventually start accelerated banking, you know, my brother was like, my brother and I were just like, man, like, is, is that the right move? Like, are you sure? We were kind of scratching our head because it just seemed so odd at the time. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I really hope happens is you know very similar to those men in scripture and women um i'm hoping the vision that god has given us is going to continue to grow you know long after my brother and i are gone so yeah that's a very long way to answer your question cameron but you know it's it's something that that i'm extremely proud of you guys were coaching real estate first essentially saw an opportunity that this could really help people and Mm -hmm. and grew that into a business dude i'm curious man like so did you guys grow up in a christian household or what like give me a little bit of your faith journey yeah, we did. So my, my dad uh, was and still is a pastor. So um, we actually immigrated to the United States when I was five years old. Um, and, you know, we poor, poor is an understatement, I think, when you, you know, talk about how we were living. I mean, there, there'd be many days where, you know, uh, I, was, I, I loved going to school because it meant I got to eat, you know. Mm. And so that was kind of the background. So for, for me, like, you know, my parents obeying God and leaving South Korea to come to America to, to start a church. Like I was, it was ingrained in my head. And I think it was for you guys as well, regardless of how you grew up that, you know, oftentimes uh, following and obeying God uh, will lead to much suffering and hardship. And, 
um that's why a lot of people when they pray they're like oh like you know god i'll obey you as long as you secretly not to tell me to go to africa and you know like you know live amongst the tribes people and you know sell everything that i have and all this stuff but that, that was that was how we that's how we grew up and so you know i grew up i would say very religious you know i had read the bible probably eight to ten times over by the time i was 16 and then when I was 18, I actually had this nasty stomach disease. I, dr I went from like 163 to 118 in a span of like 12 days. Wow. Um, wow. It was I mean, it was insane. And in the darkest moment and in the midst of me experiencing that, you know, God gave me an invitation, right? He says, hey, you know, Daniel, you've done a great job in believing in me. Now it's time for you to actually start following me. Um, and I remember there was one moment when, you know, a spiritual mentor of mine, you know, kind of told me, he's like, you know, Daniel, I think you know more scripture than Peter, John, James, all those guys did. And for a split second, I thought he was reaffirming my knowledge in the scriptures, right? That's how arrogant I was. But after, you know, some thinking, I realized that he, he was actually kind of rebuking me. He was kind of convicting me a little bit. Hmm. Because I had, I had so much head knowledge about scripture, about who Jesus was, but I wasn't actually following him. And, you know, I think Billy, Billy Graham talks about that, how, you know, 90% of people who go to church, um, you know, they don't, they're not actually following Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, that, that was my spiritual journey. A lot of other great lessons since that moment. But, you know, I'd say that for me, that was probably the moment that, that started it all. And I was like, oh man, you know, and, and I got to a point where, you know, I, I, kind of held in my hand i was like all right god here's everything that i know about christianity like here's everything i know about scripture here's everything i know about wesleyan theology calvin you know like all this stuff and and i got to a point where you know i said all i want i'll, I'll trade this for intimacy with jesus hmm. like that's at, at the end of, like that's that's what i want you know and and that was really kind of the the turning point for me that's amazing you know what why your dad being a pastor then Clearly, it had to be on your mind. Okay, I want intimacy with Christ. I want to follow Him. I should go into ministry. How do you end up becoming an entrepreneur? That's that's a great question. Do you guys ever behave differently when you're around pastors? I was a pastor, so people behave differently when I said that versus when I tell them I'm a real estate investor today. They so yes, I know exactly what you mean. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that that was one reason. <laughs> um, but number two, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, you know. Um, that's that's originally that was because you plan, didn't want people you know? to interact with you differently yeah and i okay. oftentimes i find that i find that um you know when when i feel prompted to tell somebody about jesus you know because at the end of the day you know none of us ever lead people to jesus only jesus does that right you know what we're responsible for is just being obedient to the prompting and the checking of the holy spirit you know and there's been many times where was, you know i was talking to a stranger and you know, my, my, the, my salesperson and me wanted to tell that person about Jesus and convert them. Right. And evangelize. But you know, there, the spirit was like, no, don't do that. That's not what I want you to do. You know, I, I could talk a little bit more about that, but uh, for now, right. Um, the main reason why I, I didn't want to be a pastor is because, you know, for one, God didn't tell me to do that. Right. Number two, you know, I think God put this desire in my heart to uh, be a minister in, in other ways. A lot of times in my, in my, walk with Jesus, especially recently, God's been sharing with me really what the role of the church is moving forward and, you know, what the role of businesses are moving forward. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I'll repeat what Jesus said when he was asked, you know, like, what is, you know, what is your purpose? Right. And he says, you know, to do the will of the one who sent me. 
And so uh, when I think about that in my life, you know, I mean, maybe it's not for now, but, you know, back when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, when I was really thinking about what I wanted to do with my life, um, I, I found that being a pastor is probably not something that, that God was calling me to do at that time. Hmm. I, I'd be curious to kind of double click on the role of business as you see it in light of God's mission only because I know there's so many people here that maybe feel like a purpose sometimes because, you know, I think we've been fed a line for a long time that maybe who we see on stage has the more important role versus like most people sitting in the audience. So uh, what, what, what is the Lord revealing to you in that regard? You mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So I'll, I'll answer your question by asking you guys a question that I hate. I hate being that person, but I'll let you know, Cameron I, answer it. <laughs> perfect. I'm ready. I, I feel, I, I, I think this is appropriate and I feel called to do it. So I'll, I'll ask a question to both of you guys. And then I'm curious to hear both of your answers, but uh, my question to you guys is why do you follow Jesus? I followed Jesus because he changed my heart to love him more than anything else on this earth. Okay. What, what else could I follow? Yeah, for sure. Okay. You ready for my answer? Yep. Now I would say very similar. My life was transformed in college. I, um, I experienced forgiveness in a, in a way that I never experienced through what Christ has done for me. And, um, that really opened my eyes. If, if there was a guy who loved me this much to give me his son for me, this is the guy I want to follow. So that relationship was built there in college. And, uh, that's carried me into where I am today, where I want to continue to, as you said, if there's more guy that I want to know, and there's, there's more ways to trust him and live for him, that's what I want to do. So, yeah. uh, that would be my answer to that question. Yeah. So, um, I love your guys' answer. Thank you for sharing and, and being open with me. So there's something that happened recently where the Holy Spirit really convicted me. And uh, this happened maybe about a year and a half ago. And uh, I don't know if I share it much on many other podcasts because I'm not asked about this, but I, you know, I, I, I think I feel prompted to share this. So I remember when I asked God in the beginning of 2021, you know, hey, hey God, you know, what are ways that I could incorporate you into my business? And I think as Christian entrepreneurs, we ask that question a lot. You know, it's like, hey, God, how do we bring your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, as you know, in our office, right, with, with our employees? How do we do that? How do we keep Jesus at the center of what we do in, in professionally, right? And so that was the ultimate question I asked is, you know, God, um, how do I get you more into my business? And about halfway into 2021, uh, God convicted me, the Father convicted me that I was asking the wrong question. And I shouldn't have been asking you know, God, how do I get you more into my business? I should have been asking God, how do I get more into your business? Because the truth of the matter is God has a business, right? Uh, and we may not know, you know, most people don't know what his business is, but, you know, God has a business. He, he completely intentionally wants to, he has a family business that he wants to invite us into, right? And that business is very simple is that, you know, this is the answer that God gave me, right? This isn't Daniel being very smart or, you know, biblically scholarly, right? This is the answer that God gave me. He goes, you know, Daniel, I have a business, right? When are you going to ask me for you to be in my business? And my business is I want my kids around the world to know who I am. Um, and I want them to be aware of how much I love them. That's, that's my business. Um, and I guarantee you, if you fully participate in, in my business, I will transform your business. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I ask you guys, why do you follow Jesus? Because this is one of the things that Paul talks about. And, you know, typically when I ask this question to individuals, especially during a private conversation, um, the answer I get is very similar, right? There's, it's very many different versions of what you guys said. It's, it's 
the version of, well, this is what God did for me. Um, and my response is to follow him. Right. And what I really love, uh, what Paul talks about is part of the new Testament as part of the letters that he has to the church. He talks about how for Christians, right. We drink milk when we're young. Right. And when you're drinking milk, you're focused on your individual relationship with God, what God does for you, but eventually you mature and Paul describes it as eventually as Christians, you, you start eating meat, you start eating solid food, and you eventually mature as a Christian. And, and when you m mature as a Christian and you're eating the, the meat and you're you know, past drinking just the milk and you're eating solid food, Paul describes that process as you begin to care about the things that God cares about. Very similar to how you know, when you have a kid or you know, when you're you know, have a kid that's five, six years old, right? It's, it, you know, a five or six year old doesn't, doesn't have the capability to truly uh, desire the things that his parents desire for him, right? Like they just, they don't, they're not there, right? But eventually when you mature and you get older, right? Um, you know, when you're around, typically around 23, 24, 25, you know, you begin to care about the things that your parents care about and see things from their perspective and realize their humanity, Right. Like that's something that I've been learning the last four or five years is really, you know, how at the end of the day, my my dad is just kind of like any other guy, you know, uh, how human he actually really is. Um, and and he needs grace and forgiveness and love and, you know, prayer as, as much as I do, you know, to answer your original question, because all of that is what I think about when you say, you know, uh, our business and what the role of the business is leading on to the future. Right. I think your original is you wanted to double click on that. Imagine if all of us, right, all the all the Christian Christians who own businesses, who are intellectually gifted at making changes in the world, because my definition of entrepreneurship is changing the world based on your image, right? Using a product or service. Sounds really familiar, doesn't it? Go back to Genesis 1, right? It created in his image. Imagine if we had every single Christian businessman have that mentality of, God, how do I contribute to your business? How can I help people, your kids around the world know who you are? Like, I would argue that businesses today have significantly more influence than churches do. Mm. You're talking about not only just resources like capital, but also intellectual capability. Um, if you're talking about the ability to get things done, mm -hmm. you know, I would, I would make the argument that, that businesses have churches beat tenfold. If you're talking about strategy and implementation, execution, resources, all these things. So as I pray, as I, as I continue to speak and walk with Jesus, I get excited thinking about that, guys. Like, I really do. You know, and what our part can be in that. Yeah, all I was going to say is something someone said to me recently in the matter of last few months that I thought was interesting talking about business. He's an older gentleman in my church. I was just picking his brain one day. And he said, you got to realize that anything you have now has traded hands before you and it will trade hands after you. It will. He said, there'll be some day when someone has their hands on something you once did. And if they learn that you had your hands on there, they're not going to care about it. It doesn't matter to them. Just giving, just helping me realize, you know, taking a lot of anxiety off of um, realizing everything is fleeting. Most certainly me really quickly. And um, if my main business is not about the father's business, um, far be it for me for what is it profit Cameron Roy to gain the whole world and lose his soul. No profit, none at all. So I love that you said that it's, it's not a God bless my business. Like, yes, I ask God to bless my business. I have a business that I believe serves a great purpose and takes care of me and my family. 
But if I'm not willing and eager more to participate in God's business more than I want him to participate in my business, far be it from me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, real quick, Alice, but, you know, before, before you mentioned, I, I love what you said there, Cameron, because it's easy for guys like us. And I'm going to make the assumption that both of you are a lot like me when you know, we're very high horsepower men, right? Um, I, I've got a, a very good friend of mine and a mentor named Glenn Murray, who, you know, he describes, you know, a, a lot of entrepreneurial driven men, you know, as they've got a lot of horsepower, right? Uh, it's very tempting for us to then start just going, right? He's like, Hey, like, all right, God, I'm in your business. And I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to take initiative. But, you know, imagine if you're in a company and, you know, if you're the chief marketing officer or if you're the director of operations and you start doing things that is not led by the CEO, right? And, and the CEO of the church is Jesus, right? And so for, it's easy for, for us to kind of be the, all right, God, like, you know, um, in, instead of me waiting on, on your call, instead of me waiting on your instructions, I'm going to go off and do something, right? And so the way I see it is a lot of times in my observation is, uh, you know, m most Christians, right, you know, we talk about fire, right? The fire of the Holy Spirit, right? Um, mo most Christians don't wait to have the Holy Spirit light us on fire. We light the fire and we ask God to bless it, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, it's very easy for guys like us to hear that and go, okay, like now, like we, we need to do more, right? Like we need to do more things and we need to push and we need to drive, right? And, and oftentimes we forget that, you know, um, first and foremost, right? Like God, God wired us in a certain way. God wired us that way for a reason. But I think it's very important that we have to have a level of meekness, right? And, you know, so I've, one of my business partners and, and one of my brothers that I consider, you know, very, very close you know, he, he's a very hard driving dude, right? He's probably one of the most aggressive, hard driving guys I've ever met in my life. Uh, and he, you know, tears up whenever he shares the story of what God, when God taught him what the word meekness meant, which, you know, to him, the definition was just power under control. You know, so it's this idea of, all right, God, I, I'm intelligent. I have a very strategic brain. I know how to make things happen, uh, but I want to surrender that to what you have for me. Right. Because, I mean, one of the things I love talking about is, is how God deeply desires to do things with us, you know, and, and many of times, right, like we as entrepreneurs, we want to do things for God, right? Like we were like, hey, like, look what I did, Jesus, right? Like I, I'm keeping you in the center of my business, right? I'm doing all these things for you. Um, and well, which, by the way, nine times out of 10, God never asked you to do those things. But, you know, I think at the end of the, what, what God truly desires, right, when we're going back to talking about what Paul was discussing in the New Testament, you know, he has this deep desire to do things with us, you know, and not, not just see us doing things for him. Um, so I, I love the story, you know, John chapter five, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's when Jesus is at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, he heals a guy, right, who's been paralyzed for 38 years. And what I love about the story is that Jesus most likely had to walk over other sick people to heal that one guy. And if we talk about, you know, modern ministry in the Western church today, that in that story, Jesus would be considered a failure. Like, imagine if you guys started an offer, right, where like you poured hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars into it and you got one person to sign up be horrible, right? You guys are considered a failure. I would certainly consider it a failure or imagine if you started a ministry and, you know, you poured hundreds of thousands of dollars, so many hours and, you know, you, you, you got one person to sign up, right? But what I love about that story is Jesus many times is, is, is concerned more with just doing what God had asked him to do as opposed to 
higher numbers or doing more or, you know, making sure that this is a success by human standards. So um, I just want to make sure that that gets put out there because I think it's it's very important to, yes, like we are in the father's business, but at the same time, we are under his leadership as well. Hmm. My practical question on this is people are listening. is like, so translate this, how you, how you connect this. I love this conversation. I feel like I'm just kind of listening to it. So thank you guys connect that back to YouTube then for me. Like, how do you, how do you bring this in to, Hey, we're going to go record a YouTube video today. So what I asked, I oftentimes ask myself, um, above all things, what does God ask me to do? Right. And, you know, if I look at the scripture, if I look at what he's been teaching me, um, if I think about what his desires are for, you know, for his business and the desire for people to, to know him and understand how much they, they are loved by him, you know, that starts with me, right? That starts with me being aware how much I'm loved by God, uh, me being aware of what he wants me to do, me being hypersensitive to his spirit. And when it comes to YouTube, that's, that's for me, I, I love spreading truth. Like at the end of the day, I, I love spreading truth. I love talking about the things that, you know, people have no idea about, right? Like 99% of people don't know about it. And I love you know, sharing my heart and my thoughts and my, you know, to, for the sake of being able to develop relationships. You know, one of the things I've been working on, you know, over the last 12 months is, is learning how to be vulnerable as, as God says it, you know, like a lot of times, you know, for, for the average person, right, even for the average Christian, being vulnerable is just being able to go in a room and just share your darkest secrets, right? Like that's, that's what was considered vulnerable. But as I've been learning, right, that's, that's something that's completely different, right? So, I'm learning how to walk into a room and be vulnerable as Jesus describes it. And more importantly, I'm learning how to do that on a platform like YouTube, you know? So I'm not there yet. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here telling you guys that I got it all figured out. Right. But as a, as a former person that was very afraid to show himself on the internet and, and was very shy about that, you know, that's something that I'm, that I'm getting better at, you know? So give you give you a great example right like one of the things that i started talking openly about in podcasts and and even in different groups was you know uh my an addiction to pornography that i've had for a very very long time you know that for me started when i was 14 years old and you know and i struggled with it when i i was getting married to my wife lisa and i struggled with it for certainly the first couple of years of my marriage and so that's you know when it comes to being vulnerable right like i think i shared towards the beginning of this episode that's like the temptation for me to be the the best version of myself on camera so that way I could control how people perceive me that has certainly been a, been one way for YouTube and you know podcast whatever it is right whether it's YouTube or whatever you know something else um, that's been pretty strong for 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 me for years and I feel like just now I'm learning how to do that so um, I love the opportunities that YouTube gives me. Uh, to be vulnerable, to share my thoughts, my opinions on certain things. And it also gives me an opportunity to be bold, right? Like, you know, as you pointed out, like there's a lot of people who don't like what we have to say on, on YouTube, right? There's, there's people who disagree with us. And so it's given me the opportunity to, to learn to love them still. You know, I, so uh, I remember, do you guys remember when like during COVID, the whole like, you know, uh, rent, like the whole away with rent thing happened, like that movement was happening when a lot of people were like, oh, like we, we need to do rent forgiveness. And, you know, we need to right like take away landlords, right? Like landlords were, were the, the uh, villains, right? Like during that time, uh, I, I remember 
like there was a lot of people who didn't even know who we were, what we did, the contents of our character, who our heart was, who, you know, like some people didn't even know our names, right? But, you know, they would go on some of the Facebook groups that my brother and I were admins for, and they would just, you know, spew all kinds of hate and ignorance, right, on those platforms. And even like our, our Facebook page, right, like the Quack Brothers Facebook page, like people who didn't even know what we offered or what we did would leave one-star reviews because they were just trying to villainize landlords. And, you know, it wasn't just us, right? It was happening to everybody, right? But I remember during that time, one of the coolest experiences of my professional career is when my brother and I got in our office and uh, we got a list of every single person that gave us a one-star review, uh, not because of our services or, or that's what we actually deserve, but just because of the fact that we were landlords, right? Uh, and we prayed for each and every person on that list. And we didn't pray like the prayer of like, oh man, God, I'm so sorry that they're ignorant, that you know they they have so much hate in their heart for no reason. Like, I God, I pray that you would save them, right? Like, it wasn't a prayer like that. Um, it was a prayer based on just the idea of like, hey, like we genuinely want this person to win. Like we genuinely want to love this person. We genuinely want them to, you know, have a great relationship with their families and have a great relationship with Jesus, you know? Like it, it was a prayer where we, we genuinely love them, you know, and care for them. YouTube has certainly given us opportunities to continue to have moments like that, you know, because it's a platform where a lot of people disagree. Yeah, man, Paul, Paul says, uh, boast of my weaknesses. And I love what you talked about and appreciate the vulnerability, by the way, on this podcast. But I have a saying I like, it's I share my scars so I can share my savior. Mm-hmm. You just run around talking about how awesome of a healer Jesus is, but you don't want to be willing to show you how show other people how he healed you. You know, good luck persuading that he's a great physician. It's like this scar here, this idiotic scar of all this porn and all this other stuff. Like Jesus is the reason it's a scar and not still an open wound bleeding. I share my scar so I can share my savior. I mean, what other what other power do we have other than our testimony? I was one way on different. What's yeah. what's the contributing factor? It's Christ. Yeah. Uh, Dana, with a little bit of time we have today, man. What's let's let's get a little bit of real estate in here before we get out of here today. This is the <laughs> Kingdom uh, Real Estate Investor Show. What's the opportunity you see right now, man, in the real estate space? What are you guys? Uh, what are you guys interested, curious on? Kind of what are you pursuing when it comes to opportunity in 2023? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we right now for, uh, as an asset, right. And, um, you know, uh, we, we have a fund, right. Like a lot like you guys where, you know, we were looking to do about a hundred million in acquisition over the next 12 months. And a lot of the people that we raise money from are, you know, family offices, RIAs, you know, that want to serve their clients to the best of their abilities. But what we're targeting is actually a lot of class B apartment complexes in the Midwest. Um, I, you know, I think affordability is, is, going to continue to be a big issue, you know, and one of the things that I've been noticing, um, especially in my neck of the woods, right? So I'm, I'm from Chicago, the Chicagoland area, you know, we saw class A rents, you know, nearly double, right? I mean, to give you an idea, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. My, my wife and I moved in to an apartment, a class A apartment facility uh, in April of 2020. And what we started paying for rent was uh, a little below two thousand dollars, right? So we were paying, I think, like nineteen eighty-two, right, uh, in in rent. By the time we moved out, which was, by the way, only two years later, right? I think we moved out like June of two thousand and twenty-two, right? So we just moved to our, our place that we have now. Um, the going rate was thirty. 
3,600, I believe, 35, 3,600, somewhere around there, you know? So you're talking like a massive jump. And we, we saw that all across the board with class A apartment buildings uh, in our area, which, which by the way, we live kind of lived kind of in like the Naperville, Warrenville area for those of you guys that know the Chicago land there, which I'm sure many of you do a lot more of you don't. Right. Um, so that's kind of what we were seeing. And, and we were seeing a, a bit of a slower increase in, in class B apartments. Uh, and I think moving forward, you know, uh, you're, and you're already kind of seeing it, you're already kind of seeing the month to month decreases in rent. Cause you know, um, so much inventory was built in the Chicagoland area. So uh, we, we see, we identify class B apartments in the Midwest as a much more stable option. Uh, and especially if we can secure it with long-term fixed rate financing, that's something that's a plus for us as well. But uh, one of the things that we're really focused on is seller financing opportunities. Uh, you know, so there's actually two cell storage facilities that I'm looking to buy currently, uh, about 1,200 units total. And uh, both sellers have already agreed with us that uh, we'll do this transaction seller financing. So um, I, I right now at this point in time want to avoid institutional financing as much as possible because um, you're already starting to see it with sellers currently where they're in an assumable loan situation because they got some level of short term or bridge or IO debt two, three years ago. And now rates are doubled. They're significantly higher and they can't make their cash flow yields work. So right. um, that's one of the biggest, that's, you know, my opinion, one of the biggest opportunities that, that we're seeing currently. Do you guys, man, you guys manage your, in the fund, do you, are you allocators of capital or you're partnering with other, um, you know, groups or do you guys have your own management inside? How does that work? Yeah. So we're, we're, uh, we're direct allocators. So we have our own in-house property management. You know, uh, so I, I've got a great friend of mine, you know, also a phenomenal property manager, Jason, who's who's in-house part of our team. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I always say, you know, we're, we're no we're very, very similar to a lot of the syndication folks. Right. I mean, you know, you have your fee structures and, you know, you're really acquiring uh, larger apartments or larger self-storage or larger commercial pieces of real estate. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's very similar to how we how we do things with with everybody else. But we just have a couple things that make us unique. Uh, you know, we, we target some different things, uh, and we're a little bit more forward thinking, I guess, and, you know, in terms of how we view our investments, but, um, yeah, to answer your question, I'd say we, we do the allocation ourselves. From a fund setup perspective to attract kind of the RIA groups, what, what, what is, what have you learned in working with our RIA registered investment advisor groups? Yeah. So, um, honestly, my thing stick, right. Or secret, I guess is, is I just, I love building relationships. Um, you know, so, I mean, I, I'll 50% of all my meetings are, you know, uh, meeting somebody new or continuing a relationship that I have with an individual. And, you know, I, I, I wish I could give you some secret phrase or some secret technique that makes it really easy to work with RIAs. Um, but oftentimes, you know, when I, when I build a strong relationship with that individual and, you know, they know my mantra and philosophy with investing, and I know theirs, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the things, I guess, tend to get easier, right? Um, there was a great book written by Stephen Covey called The Speed of Trust, where, you know, if, if you have the ability to build trust very quickly um, and, and obviously do it in a healthy way and do it in a way where it's serving to other individuals with great intentions and a great heart, uh, then, you know, the, the capacity for a business to move much faster and expand is, is immense. It's incredible. Hmm. Um, now, obviously, we still do things, right? We still undergo third-party you know, uh, vetting, right, from individuals with RIAs that need to get their companies vetted from a third-party institution so that they can allocate their clients' funds, right? But um, 
Yeah, I'd say, I mean, I'd say really at the end of the day, we work with maybe two or three RIAs that we have a very, very good relationship with. I mean, these guys are, are my friends, right? I have a very good personal relationship with them. So, um, I mean, you know, you don't really need more than, in my opinion, if you don't, you don't really need more than four or five, you know, decently sized RIAs to get your deals funded. Um, you know, cause I mean, on top of that, we, you know, we obviously raise money from family offices and, you know, I have a, a pretty decent sized database that I, I raise money from and, you know, those guys are accredited. So, mm -hmm. um, I, I would love to do something one day where, you know, um, I, I have a friend who's got a pretty decent sized following online who, you know, he does a reg a offering and he allows people who, you know, who only have like a thousand dollars or $5,000 to invest in his buildings. And, you know, I don't know. I think that'd be really cool to do one day. Yeah. It's expensive. Uh, it is. It's I'm doing very that expensive. right now with a friend of mine and it is not okay. cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guys, well, clearly you can tell why this man has almost 300,000 followers on YouTube. Ton of value. Uh, very authentic. Bro, I'm so grateful to have you on. If you're not following them, go to YouTube right now and just look up the Quack K-W-A-K brothers on YouTube. Let's help them get to 300,000. Uh, I want to continue to see more kingdom uh, leaders grow and, 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 and flourish there, man. So uh, where would you point people to, Daniel, to learn more about you guys? What would be the best next step for someone to follow along? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I'd say we give we give away a lot of free stuff, especially real estate related things. So uh, we have this thing called Real Estate uh, Investing Base Camp, where we, I think we have about nearly 50 hours with the free content. And you can go on there and, you know, uh, I give away my techniques on how to raise capital. You know, scripts are in there. We have a productivity course, a deal finding course, right? I mean, there's so many great stuff that I've used to, to advance my career. So um, if you just Google the Quack Brothers Real Estate Base Camp, or if you just go to the quackbrothers.com under free stuff, um, you'll see all that stuff there. So uh, I usually try not to point people towards my personal Instagram or social media outlet. I just say, hey, look, you know, we have a lot of great content. Uh, the the thing that makes me happiest the most is if you just go watch our stuff and you apply it and, you know, you be the next Ripple. Thequadbrothers.com. Go check it out. Uh, Daniel, Cameron, anything else before we get out of here today? Yeah, you now have uh, one more subscriber right here. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> nice yeah, I'm fascinated. On, yeah. yeah hey if you, it, listen if you're listening to the show and you enjoy this episode do us a favor uh screenshot this episode uh share it on social media um tag us all and, and we'll interact with you uh this is a very i get so many emails and so many people reaching out of like i can't believe i found this podcast you know there's so few places where people are really talking openly about faith and christ and business and so just be part of the mission of like helping us serve Christ and, and do that through this free platform. Uh, we don't, we don't run ads. We don't do any of that. We just, we want to provide great content for you. So we ask that you share it, share it with a friend, take a screenshot and share it with others. Appreciate your support in that. We'll see you next week, everybody. Thank you. Cheers. Hey, just because the show's over doesn't mean the journey is. Listen, if you are a faith-driven real estate professional or investor, then you'll want to go to the kingdom rei.com to learn about our mastermind if you're interested in investing alongside me in alternative investments like multifamily apartment complexes then head to ellishammond.com to learn more about that cheers